This audio program is a ministry of Clear Note Fellowship. For more information, go to clearnotefellowship.org. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the preaching of your word and for the gift that we have been given of the words of men that are actually your words. And we pray that we would submit ourselves to the preaching of your word and that we would love to hear the preaching of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome. Now, before I start, I want to say something, which is that I have um, I am not preaching on how to preach. Good. Good, yeah. (laughs) If you are... <laughs> I have I have a strange amalgamation here of a Sunday school lesson that Jake Menzel taught I think two years ago here so if you hear stuff and you're thinking man I've, I've heard that before it could be that that's why or it could be that it's because you heard a sermon that I preached that is the other part of the amalgamation I took two things and I'm and I'm shoving them together and we'll see how far we get. All right? So what I want to do though is I want to start by reading a passage from Acts, Acts chapter 19 verses 11 through 17. So please turn there. I'll let Acts 19:11 through 17. <clears throat> God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. But also some of the Jewish exorcists who went from place to place attempted to name over those who had the evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus saying, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of one Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leapt on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known to all, both Jews and Greeks, who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. So, we have a contrast here. A contrast between those who are preaching God's Word, preaching Jesus, that's Paul, and the miraculous signs that attended his work. 
changed lives. And on the other hand, people who name the name of Jesus, but not with any power, and rather are overcome. Right? It's an amazing contrast. And, and what it comes down to is <clears throat> that Jesus and His Word are powerful. And the preaching of God's Word is powerful. And the fake isn't. There is no power in the fake. So, as we think about preaching and how we should interact with it, the first thing is we should expect it to be life-changing, powerful, making a huge impact. That's what God's Word is able to accomplish. Now we have all sorts of other passages that we can go to, and I want to look at a number of them. But before we even before we start reading other passages, let's just make sure we get that through our mind. Preaching is powerful. Preaching changes lives. Preaching God's word, preaching the good news, the name of Jesus Christ, that is what accomplishes these things. These changes in life. Now, what were the changes? The changes were physical healing in of and the casting out of demons attended God's word going out in power by the Apostle Paul. Simply naming the name of Jesus didn't accomplish anything. It's not magical. Those sons of Sceva that that were beat up and ran away wounded and naked... There was there was no there was no magic rabbit's foot Jesus name and, and, and saying you know Jesus name I, I I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches you just got them beat up so <clears throat> if that's what happens when there's false claiming of the name of Jesus. And the true proclamation of the name of Jesus ends in changed lives. We need to we need to be making distinctions. We need to be evaluating, preaching, looking for changes in people's lives coming out of preaching. We ought to expect coming into hearing the word of the Lord that we will be changed by the hearing of the word of God. <clears throat> Today we think that our personal relationship with Jesus is founded first and foremost on the fact that we read our Bible, that we have our Bible and that we read it. <clears throat> How long has it been that everybody had 
a Bible that they could read. Does anybody know? A few hundred years? Yeah, at the most. And how long has God's Word been powerful? Always. Always. How long has it been changing people's lives, converting them from death to life? Always. And so the first thing that we see about the word proclaimed is that that is the base level. The word proclaimed is the base level. Not the word read to myself by myself. That's not actually the base level. That is a wonderful gift and privilege that we have that many, many, many people have not had throughout the centuries. But the word proclaimed results in changed lives, souls being saved, converted. In Romans 10, we read the following, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? It's not, and how are they to hear without a translator, is it? it that, that would be the natural thing for us to say today. There's all these, there's all these nations around the world, these, these little cultures and these little places that they don't have the word proclaimed. I mean, wait, no, translated. <laughs> well, we want it translated into their languages. That's good. That's a, that's, a, that's a next step after the word proclaimed though, isn't it? Later on in that same chapter, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And so the word is central. The word is the center. But preaching is the normal means by which God brings about changed lives. Salvation. Think of the Ethiopian eunuch. He's on the road, traveling, reading what? God's Word. God's Word. What, what book of God's Word? Isaiah. What chapter of Isaiah? 53. Isaiah 53. Taken from the Old Testament, you couldn't come up with a chapter that's more explicitly devoted to laying out God's plan of salvation how he will bring about the salvation of his people the savior it, it, it's, it's so explicit here is the message of salvation Isaiah 53 right and Philip the deacon comes up to him right and he says what does he say 
Do you understand? And, and the Ethiopian eunuch says, How can I? I was talking to uh, David Abusara, my assistant pastor, and he was telling a story recently about how he he got the Bible for the first time, never been in a church, never didn't grow up in the church or being taught anything about the Bible or Jesus or anything. So he's, he's got this Bible for the first time and he's been told he should read the New Testament, I guess, or he thinks, you know, maybe the New Testament. So he opens up and he, and he reads Matthew. Okay, and that's Jesus. That's, that's who this Jesus guy is. Okay, so then he turns the page and he starts... Mark. And he's going, wait a minute. I don't understand. This is, I think this is the same story. Is this, and you know what conclusion he came to? He came to the same conclusion that the Ethiopian eunuch came to. How can I understand without somebody teaching me? So even when you get to the New Testament, right? We need the word preached to us. We need it. We need it proclaimed. And it's not—it's not that the Bible is impossible to understand, but that God has ordained that we will understand it through it being proclaimed. And that's what we read in Romans. That's what we see in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Similarly, in Galatians 3, verses 2 and 5, he says, Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Hearing. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's the preaching of the Word of God that the Spirit of God has chosen to use as the normal means for causing men and women to be born again, to give them faith, and to sanctify them. Obviously, we are to read God's Word on our own. Obviously, Psalm 1 talks about the necessity of us meditating on God's Word, the law. Day and night. And so there's, a com- there's always been a commitment on the part of God's people to know His Word, whether they had a physical copy or not. Now I'm really missing. Whether, whether they had it translated into their language or not, they, they wanted to know, they, co- they were committed to knowing what it said. And how did they learn it? Primarily, always through the preaching of God's Word. That's how we learn. And so, God has set apart particular men in the body, in Christ's church, to the work of teaching and preaching, right? Right? 
set apart for the purpose of preaching and teaching. Pastors. And then, not just random people, but men particularly. And then, not just random men, but men who are gifted in teaching. And this makes sense, doesn't it? That the church would ordain men who are good at teaching them what the Bible says. And you think, so yeah, it's, it's the, the church who don't... But then in Acts 20, Paul says to the Ephesian elders that they were ordained by the Holy Spirit. So God uses these normal means and it's Him that's accomplishing what He wants through these normal means like ordaining, like the church picking particular people who are gifted at teaching to show them what the Word of God says, to explain it to them, to remind them of it, and to apply it to them. Because preaching always includes application. It must. Because if it doesn't include application, it's not helpful to the people. It's not helpful to me to talk and talk and talk and talk, but never give anything that ought to be done. Never give anything that ought to change. And it's not helpful to you either. So what does this mean? Well, it means that the preaching of God's Word that we sit under is the preaching that we sit under. Not podcasts or TV preachers or other pastors that are out there that we aren't that we can't that can't see us, that can't know us, that can't apply things to us because we're not there even if they do know us. Preaching is always to the people who are present. So what that means is that here I am today, I'm at a disadvantage trying to preach. Because I don't know you all very well. Is that weird? For me to say that I'm at a disadvantage trying to preach to you? I'm not likely to be as helpful to you today as I would be if you had been in my church for three years. That's just... part of the nature of preaching. And yet, I can see you. I know a little bit about mo most of you. And so I can, I can begin to apply things and I can apply things generally. More importantly, I can read you. I can see whether you're following me, whether you're paying attention, whether I'm losing you, 
whether you're disagreeing, whether you're stony-faced and not, not liking what I'm saying. It's crazy, isn't it? The nice thing about podcasts is it's always clean. They can never come up to us afterwards and say, you know, to be more specific, <laughs> you need to, <laughs> as my father would say. <laughs> Obviously, it, I'm all for you hearing sermons by podcast. I, I really, I'm, I'm happy for you to listen to sermons, but your primary feeding needs to be feeding by the men that God has placed over you to teach you. That's where your primary feeding needs to come from. And this is our feeding. Our spiritual food is, the, is hearing God's word proclaimed to us. So, if all of this <clears throat> is true, then let's think about sermons. Let's think about being sitting underneath a sermon and how we can benefit the most being under a sermon. First, we've got to figure out what it is that we're hearing. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, Paul writes and he says, We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So, when we, when we receive preaching, we need to receive it the way that Paul commends the Thessalonians for receiving it. Receiving it as God's word rather than as the words of men. Now, what does it mean to, to receive the preaching of God's word as God's word? Well, there's so many ways that we can skewer this to remove the remove the difficulty of, of this of this verse. Well, obviously, you know, it, it doesn't mean that I am God. Yes, yes, clearly. Right? I'm not, when I'm speaking, I'm not God. And obviously, you know, it doesn't mean, and, and it doesn't mean, we can go on and on and on qualifying this and saying, you know, and, and pastors can make errors in their preach. Yes, and do, all the time. <sighs> make errors. And yet still, Paul says here, I'm thankful that when you heard the word, Thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And so, preparing to come to church, the point isn't to come and hear Pastor Baker, or Pastor Bailey, or Pastor Abusar, or whatever the name of your pastor is, the point, what we're preparing to come here is God's Word. That's what we're preparing to come and hear. So what would 
preparing to come and hear God's word mean? Well, it means that we're not going to come and sit in judgment. We're not going to come with a critical attitude. We're not going to come distracted. We're not going to come tired. We're not going to come. There's, there's all sorts of things. If you're, God's word is going to be proclaimed. How are you going to be <laughs> while God's word is proclaimed? Yeah, there's 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 so many things. There's so many things. Uh, Thomas Watson, I, re- I read this, and I was just so convicted thinking about my. Okay, if I am going to preach the word of God, how much more so must I have prepared, right? How much more so must I be intent on making sure that I'm ready? Not just in terms of having spent enough time in the previous week, but hear what what Thomas Watson says. Oh, I can't find it. Oh, he says there are two main enemies to profiting from the word. Distraction and drowsiness. Distraction and drowsiness. Now, we all just ate lunch. And we all have a great excuse to be drowsy, right? And we all stayed up too late. And so somebody just yawned, and so now everybody wants to yawn. This is what he says. If you come to preaching, the preaching of... God's word distracted or drowsy, that you fail to realize that God sees and judges the thoughts of your hearts. In other words, first and foremost, you fail to have any fear of God. You fail to reverence His words. He says, you don't love God very much. Because this is His Word. He's speaking to you. Can you not pay attention? We see this with our kids, right? Are they... We're trying to speak to them. Do they have any care that you're trying to speak to them? Nope. A lot of times, that's the... No, it's that obvious. No, they don't care. You have to say their name four times before they're even bothered to notice that you're speaking to them. What does this communicate? Disrespect. It communicates disrespect. communicates not caring, not loving. <clears throat> when you finally get their attention and you're saying, now listen, and, they go, and you, their eyes <laughs> look at me. Okay, okay. <laughs> look at me. You have to hear what I'm saying. Right? Now, sermons can be exactly the same way. I can be I can be up there desperately like, hey, look at me. Look at me. These are God's words. Hear them. Pay attention to them. 
Don't be thinking about what the meal is. Don't be thinking about what's coming out. Don't be, don't be thinking about works. Don't be, no, no. Look at me. Listen to God's Word. Hear God's Word. He says that it turns, that coming distracted and drowsy, or either one, turns the blessing of the Word into a curse. Because all it does is condemn us at that point. Because we are hearers with no possibility of being doers. Because we don't know. We didn't hear. We didn't have ears that hear. We had ears that, that were not even on. He says that it offends God. <clears throat> that it hardens our hearts to awe of God's holiness and takes away a tender conscience, making it harder for you to be affected by the Word. Do you recognize this in yourselves when you've come? You have come to sit under the preaching of God's Word in different days. You, you've come differently. And sometimes you come distracted and drowsy and God reaches out and grabs you with His Word. And you sit bolt upright and you realize God is speaking and you pay attention. And other days, you get to the end and you have no idea. You, you just, it's the same thing as you get on the road. You're on 70, driving west, and there's Denver. <laughs> well, okay, maybe not there's Denver. But, you know. <laughs> oh. oh, wait. It's been an hour. Yeah, yeah, Terre Haute maybe. Oh, wait, it's been, you know, this is what happens to us at church. We're sitting under the preaching of God's Word. Oh, he's done. Oh, I have no idea what he said. Oh, I wasn't paying attention. Oh. And, and believe it or not, I can get to the end of my sermons that way sometimes. Oh, I haven't been paying attention to what I was saying. Oh, I haven't been applying this to myself. Oh, I don't really know what I was... I don't really know what God's Word should have been accomplishing. got to prepare ourselves to hear the preaching of God's Word. We've got to prepare ourselves. So how do we prepare ourselves? Let's be practical. Go to bed early. Thank you. Go to bed early. Yes. Do it. Go to bed early. Why? So you're not drowsy. Exactly. Wait a minute. Are you meaning that you're... Are you expecting me to change? 
my habits on Saturday too? You want me to give up more of my time? I remember in college I would stay up until 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday nights. And then for some reason I couldn't figure out why it was so hard to stay awake in church. And one day I realized if I want to be able to hear the preaching of God's word Sunday morning, to be able to hear with ears that hear, my life has to change on Saturday. What a revolutionary thought. Life changing. Let's let's continue to try to be practical. What other things can you do? I, I'll tell you something that I do. There's certain things. Certain. Listen, I'm weird. <laughs> I already told you. <clears throat> if I don't have a phone, I feel like there's a problem and it distracts me. And so what do I do? I get a phone. <laughs> I don't have a phone so that I won't be distracted. It's silly, but it's not silly. It's on purpose. Get rid of the things that are going to distract you. Intentionally put them, keep them from distracting you. If you're going to be worried, if it's, if it's going to, if, if you're the kind of person that worries about clothes, then pick the clothes you're going to wear before Sunday morning comes. So you don't have to be worried about clothes Sunday morning. And get the, and get the shoes collected and have them by the door. There, there's, there's a million little, little things. And you think, really? Do you want my whole life to revolve around the preaching of God's word or something? Yes. Yes. That's exactly what we want. We want our whole life to revolve around that. Prepare yourself spiritually. How? Well, because you went to bed early, you can get up early. And when you get up early, you know what you can do? You can make sure that you have enough time to eat a decent breakfast so that you're not sitting there going, oh, I think I'm going to pass out. My stomach is hurting so bad. I'm so... I ran out of sugar. <laughs> I'm crashing. You can you can eat a breakfast, and this is this is this is good. Yeah. Get some protein. I have to if I don't eat eggs Sunday morning. You guys think I'm crazy? No, no. I, I intentionally make sure I get protein Sunday morning because it gets to the end and I'm 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 weak without it. There's so many little practical things. And, 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 and get up early so that you can read the Bible. Because we can read the Bible. We have Bibles now. Meditate on it. Pray. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the sermon. Pray that God's word proclaimed will bear fruit. Now, we've got a promise. And the promise is what? Does anybody know what promise? That's right. 
His word won't return empty, void, for you programmers, null. (laughs) Empty, nothing there. His word does not produce nothing. It produces something. It's powerful. And it's always been powerful. When he spoke at the beginning, the universe came into existence. That's the power of God's word. He speaks and things happen. And this ought to be our expectation of the preaching of God's word. That it will make a change in us. And so, as you're sitting under the preaching of God's word, there are other practical things that you can do. Not be thinking about what this means for her, or what this means for him, but what this means for me. Asking yourself questions like, what can I do? to apply this specifically in my life. What does this mean that I should change? What does this mean that I have had wrong? What false understanding has this killed and thereby improved me and my ability to live a holy life? Because we do not want to be people who hear the word, but never hear it. We do not want to be people who hear the word, and in Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells the parable of the sower, and the seed is the word of God. And the sower is proclaiming God's word. And the different kinds of soil are the different kinds of people. People who hear. And what do we have? The first kind of hearer has the word snatched from his heart by the devil. We don't want to be people who have God's word snatched from us. The second kind of hearer hears with joy, but the seed takes no root, so they wither away. We don't want to be people who are always excited to have heard the preaching of the word, but it never makes any difference. It never takes root in our life to actually change our behavior. Do we want that? No, we don't want that. We don't want that. Because that leads to death. A third kind of here, here's the word. It's choked away by the cares and riches and pleasures of life. And think about the distractions that we allow us we allow ourselves to be taken away from God's word having any import on our life. What are those distractions? The cares of the world. 
What are the cares of the world? It's our it's it's wondering what's going to happen at work tomorrow. Isn't it? Am I going to get fired? Well, I mean, hey, that's a good question. I hope not. You ought to be asking that question, but not right now. Work hard. You won't get fired. What? What are you talking about, Joseph? <laughs> what? What I'm what I'm saying is so easily distracted, so easily a little thing that's said, and we and all of a sudden we're way off over here. And your wife sees it when you do it to her, doesn't she? You haven't heard a word I've been saying for the last half an hour, have you? She can just see it in your eyes. You see it in the sitcoms. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Is that so? Yes, dear. Uh-huh. Is that so? You know, we because we know these are the kinds of conversations that were so easily... Just someplace else... The cares of the world, the, the lusts of the flesh, what I really want, man, what I really want. We have to <clears throat> pray that God gives us ears to hear. We have to pray that He protects us from the attacks of the evil one. We have to pray that His Word would take root in us. And we can do all of that Sunday morning when we get up early, can't we? And throughout the week. And we can think back on the Word preached. I keep referencing it. James 1, 21-23 says, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. When we hear God's word, we have to hear it with faith. We have to hear it trusting that it changes us. Not because of the man that's up there. Not because it's got some magical power. But because it is God's word and God speaks and God has power. Now, <clears throat> one of the things that we need to deal with is the fact that there are there are constant people preaching 
false gospels. People are constantly preaching false gospels. So here I have been, I've been trying to weigh down the, show the importance of hearing God's word and accepting it and, and applying it to our lives and believing it and accepting it by faith, right? And, and then there's this, there's this, but, but what if it's, but what if it's wrong? Don't we have that? But but what if it's wrong? But but can I actually trust it? But what if the what if it's a false? But what if? How does the bank teach cashiers to recognize false currency, fake money? They don't. Ultimately, they. They don't. They show the real stuff. They make you handle the real stuff. You handle the real stuff, 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 and you know it. With your eyes closed. That's money. <laughs> and you recognize the, the fake. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, because this is... This is the way it is with God's Word. You study it. You know it. You read it. You memorize it. You learn it. You sit under the preaching of God's Word and you accept it the way the Bereans did. Now, how did the Bereans accept the Word of God proclaimed by Paul? They searched the Scriptures. This is the thing that we always remember about the Bereans. They searched the Scriptures to see whether these things were so. Searched the Scriptures to see whether these things were so. So they were, so they were, very, uh, they were very critical. Skeptical group of people, weren't they? No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> you didn't say that. No, you certainly didn't say that. And the Bible doesn't say that either. In point of fact, <clears throat> it says, The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness. They received the word with all eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Isn't that a beautiful picture? We think that we've got to be one or the other. That either we're going to be accepting and just without any discernment and we're going to be in so much danger if we accept eagerly the word of God proclaimed because who knows, there could be some poison slipped in. We can't be eager to accept it. We've got to be sitting in judgment and critical or it's dangerous. No, no... Accept it eagerly. That's what was. That's what was noble about the Thess about the Bereans compared to the Thessalonians. They received the word of God eagerly, and they were not just allowing anything in the world to be said and being like, "Oh, that's so wonderful. Oh, that's so wonderful. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm just so happy that you just said that." 
They weren't eagerly accepting falsehood and truth. They weren't eager to hear all perspectives. They eagerly heard the Word. They eagerly received the Word. And they examined the Scriptures to see whether these things were so. They weren't skeptics. They weren't cynics. They trusted God's Word. They trusted the preaching of God's Word. And they had the benchmark to test it by. And that's what we have in God's Word. The benchmark. The real currency. The real McCoy. And so if you hear preaching and you think, ah, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that's right. That's okay. Don't go into every sermon being like, well, we'll see whether this is right. (laughs) Well, we'll see whether this is right. Well, I'll see whether I have to accept this. No, that's not how we we come into it. But if but if you but if you're hearing something and you think, ah, I'm not sure that's right. That's okay. Search the scriptures and see whether these things are so. And if they are, you've you've come to know the currency better at that point. I see that. I feel that. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about after the sermon. We've talked about before the sermon preparing. We've talked about during the sermon our attitude and not being distracted. Now after the sermon. Here's and then doers. That requires you to be proactive. It requires you to not have the my perpetual excuse, I've just got a bad memory. I have sat through literally thousands of sermons. And there were so many of them that in the car on the way home, I could not have told you a thing about the sermon. Not a thing. So after the sermon, reflect on it. Do everything you can to reflect on the word preached. Discuss it in the car with your family on the way home. Your four-year-old can answer questions about the sermon. And if different four-year-olds can answer at different levels, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to say that they're going to be able to but if they were in there, they can answer questions. And if they can't, then hey, 
Now you know. Don't let them go through junior high and high school like me, <laughs> having no idea what in the world was. I was supposed to learn something in Sunday school? Discuss it at lunch when you have people over. Talk about it at small group. What was it that Psalm 1 said? Blessed is the man. No, no. But at the end, he meditates. That's the, 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 the sum. The sum of it is he meditates on it. Day and night. Day and night. Day and night. That's us. That's what we're to do. And how blessed is the man. Because you avoid walking in the way of the wicked. You avoid standing in the place with sinners. You, you avoid sitting in the seat of mockers. Because your delight is God's law. And so you hear it proclaimed and, and you're thinking about it for the next week. And you go up to the pastor and you say, you know, I was thinking about what you said last week. And the pastor is going, oh no, i got to remember what I was talking about last week. At least if I... <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad you were thinking about it. It's encouraging. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you that you have set apart men to preach and to teach. We pray that you would fill those men with your Holy Spirit, that they may, that they would preach your truth, your good news, and no other false gospel. Lord, shut the mouths of the false shepherds, we pray. And let us meditate in your law day and night. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Are there any questions? Yeah, I have. Um, Mallory. Like <laughs> um, so we talked a little bit. You talked a little bit about this, and earlier today in the session, we talked about avoiding the me and my Bible syndrome. I guess you might call it. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like I'm at home with my Bible. That's my primary source of knowing that God is speaking to me. And right. That's not that the preaching of God's word is like you said the the baseline or something. Yeah. So then, when we use God's word to guard against, you know, we use it to with the currency. We can make we can search the scriptures to make sure that what we are hearing in the preaching of God's word lines up with it. How is that not guard just against, guard against going back to the well? I, I see it this way in scripture, you know, and being our own authority again. I guess. Um, that's an excellent question. That because that that interplay that 
what would you say that that sort of conflict friction, friction yeah there of um, <clears throat> on the one hand saying you know trust listen to the preaching and on the other hand uh, test the spirit see whether these things are so whether this is the word of God um, the, ultimately the answer is you you find and submit yourself to true preaching that's ultimately the answer so you find preaching that is true that you can trust and you submit yourself to it and that does require testing but you learn and grow in your trust the more and this is part of why uh, I, that whole thing about not pod, it's not podcasts you know it's it's your local church your local pastor uh, is so important um, but even with the Bereans you see that Paul came in and it was immediately they received the word with joy well how well the spirit testifies with our spirit and so God is the one who reveals to us whether things are true or not it's his word that's being proclaimed it's his spirit that lives within us and so this doesn't ultimately come back to rest on us and our brains and and self-reliance the answer to your question is not self-reliance in the end it's that God's, God is the one who wrote His Word. God is the one who has ordained true pastors. God is the one who has established His church. God is the one who brings us into all truth. And so we trust that God will protect us. We pray for protection. And how part of how we're protected is by studying the scriptures to see whether these things are so. Yeah? I have one comment. When we think of the Bereans searching the scriptures to see whether these things are so, that doesn't have to mean they all went home and looked at their own personal copy. Right, well, they didn't. Ha- uh, yeah, they didn't. So, my point is to say that, that that's a group activity. I mean, so it's in the context of the church that we come to understand whether these things are so. Mm-hmm. Certainly in that context, even you can say, well, that's just everybody then judging the preacher. Yeah, you can still... And it can still be perverted. It can still be... But there's a good... But there's there's a protection. It's not... not, Like I said, the, the key is we don't see... We don't see anywhere everything just coming back and resting on me. Which is a really good point because we still, I definitely still, uh, and this has been pointed out lots of times, that we tend to personalize everything we read and read yeah. and almost none of it is written to an individual, it's written to the church. I would like to add something. When I first yes. came to what was CGS, which is now third of, um, I was hearing your father preach against feminism. Yes. I've never heard that before. And um, my spirit loved it. But I was just like, wow, can this be true? And and so half of the sermon, I would just be thinking of different verses. Yeah, yeah, that adds up. That seems to be okay. 
okay, I think that might be true. And so I kept coming because I didn't think he was a heretic. And um, then I would talk to my mom about it. She's like, yeah, that's true. You know, she's a Christian. And um, then I would get what is tapes. I don't know if you know what tapes are, but <laughs> um, and I'd listen to the rest of it. I did not hear because I was trying to add up these things in my head. Because once I would find something that you know my teachers had taught me in college, and then you're distracted <laughs> thinking about that. I'm distracted. About, yeah. Like, can this be true? Can this be really the word of God? It's so against our culture, and and so not to you know, preaching what you said about podcasts, but that's how kind of I used um, our antiquated podcast back then, <laughs> you know, to, to just hear the rest of the sermon. Well, but, but realize that that's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about podcasts, I'm talking about, we listen to, you know, I'm going to hear superstar preacher who doesn't know me, who's not part of, not even in the same state as I am, and wow, doesn't he know how to preach? Well, yes, he does. He actually is quite skilled and set apart by God and ordained to that work. By all means. And can you benefit? Certainly. But is he your is he your shepherd? Is he your feeder? <laughs> the one feeding you. No, that's not your primary. That's what I that's the only thing I and But I always thought of myself as under the authority of scripture. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not criticizing scripture. I'm not above it. I'm below it. And so and that distinction is essential. That trying to make sure he was too. That distinction is essential. Is what is the order? God has given us His word and preachers. That's the order. And so he will he will not allow the church to be destroyed. By false teaching, he will not allow. You, you, you just go on and on with promises at this point, where you where you realize that God is the one who's at work, and that's where we that's where we and we pray, God, be at work, be at work in me, keep me from believing false teaching, lead me away from false shepherds. You know these these prayers, God will answer, and so, but in all of them, none of them end up placing us at the top. It's God, His Word. Pastors, and all of a sudden it's oh, that okay. That makes sense because God's at the top. This has been a production of Clearnote Press. Please feel free to share this recording with others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more resources like this, go to clearnotefellowship.org.